Industrial Talk is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks. Palo Alto Networks offers zero trust for your operational technology without the PTSD. If you're in the digital transformation game, keeping operational technology secure and running smoothly is a tall order. It's enough to make any coolest operations director wake up in night sweats. Palo Alto Network's Zero Trust OT security delivers comprehensive visibility and security for all OT assets, networks, and remote operations. It provides best-in-class security while simplifying OT security management. It sees and protects everything in the network, and it automates threat detection while implementing Zero Trust across all operations. So sleep better at night knowing you have the most comprehensive platform to detect, manage, and secure your OT assets. Learn more about the Palo Alto Network's Zero Trust solution. Go out to paloaltonetworks.com. That's paloaltonetworks.com. Find out more. You will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat, grab your work boots, and let's go. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk, and thank you for your continued support. We are building a platform, a platform that celebrates industry professionals all around the world because you are bold. You are brave. You dare greatly. You are changing lives and you are changing the world. And that's why we celebrate you on this platform, Industrial Talk. Now, we are on site right now. Accruent Insights is the user community conference. And it is here at Opryland, the, the Gaylord Opryland. And it's a big doggone building. If you've ever, you got to put that on your bucket list because this is a pretty spectacular building and i'm sure that uh john jim and matt have gotten lost because i know i have so they're in the house jacob <laughs> is ready to roll let's get cracking yeah it took me about what, an hour to find my room <laughs> to find the pillow i want to lay my head on yeah did you guys have that same problem a little bit yeah big place yeah and so you you, you it has a boat it has a boat inside. It has a boat inside, and all I can think about is the uh, the electric utilities because you go out into the atrium, which is sort of a big greenhouse, mm -hmm. and it's cool and cold, and it's it's like oh gosh, man, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Not right. many times I check into a hotel and I get a map along yeah. with my key card, yeah. and you need it. Yeah, absolutely. And we kept on trying to. We're we're over in Delta. Whatever that is, Delta. Yeah. Good luck finding it. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It really was. All right. For the listeners out there, let's get us a little background. Starting with you, Matt. Give us a little background on who you are. Hi, I'm Matt McAllister. I'm the uh, account manager of Document Management with Jacobs Engineering. And uh, my, main, my main goal is I try to help our clients with uh, figuring out what their highest value metadata and document types are as we help transition them from legacy systems into new EDMS for now and their future use. 
highest value? You, that means you've got to go in there and you've got to determine what the highest value is? It's, it's more about what the industry asks, right? What, what do they look for when they are trying to determine what is high value to them? High value could be uh, a drawing or a report or uh, schedules. It, could be it, sounds, it sounds like uh, ultra ditch digging. Well... Well, well, that's neither here nor there. Well, there if I, you know, if I had a nickel every time I had a, they come in, okay, we're going to have to do some data cleaning. Oh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I got a little scratchy throat. I'm, I'm going to be sick on those days, you know. <laughs> but anyway, God bless you and what you do. All right, you're next. Hey, Jim Kayser here with Jacobs as well, and I've uh, been in the industry for 30 years. Uh, not always by design, but um, both in construction and engineering. And uh, I lead the team with Matt of our document management uh, specialists. And uh, my goal is to work with our clients to help them at the beginning to figure out what their priorities and goals are. Key. Key. If there's one thing you walk away from this conversation is the fact that you do it at the beginning. Yes. Have those conversations at the beginning. Mm -hmm. don't, don't come to me uh, six months down the road and say, you know, whatever doesn't work well that way, does it? It's, it's pretty tough to get out of it what you want if you don't know what you want when you start. Garbage in. You're next. Yeah, John Londo. I'm with Jacobs as well. i um, been with the company about eight years and been in the industry about 16 years. And um, I've, I'm actually on the other side of the uh, business from uh, Jim and Matt. I do um, with the OMFS group. It's uh, operations, maintenance, and facility services. And I work with a tech group that manages taking all that technology it takes to run and uh, water wastewater facilities and public works facilities and take that technology and tie it into you know um, I think the real workers that are you know boots on the ground doing the work turning the wrenches every day so. it is, that's why you have that uh, you have that <laughs> shirt that says uh, integrated utilities yes that's right. yeah. yeah all right so we're here we're at uh, accruance uh, user community why is this important so it's important for us to be here yeah. to communicate our message to our clients and to really what we see at the forefront of the business right now is that um, all the AE firms for over a decade have been designing in 3D. Really brings a lot of value to how they design. It's a design tool and it's available and at the end of a project they have not been turning that over to the clients because the clients didn't know what to do with it. They couldn't accept it manage it, put all this amazing information that the client paid for, by the way, and deserves, they weren't turning it over because, you know, maybe the client didn't huh. give them the expectations. We were talking about what you need to do at the beginning. Yeah. What, what are they supposed to turn over to you? And then what do I do with it after I get it? So we've been working a lot with Accruant and Meridian to really enhance their BIM modeling, that building information model management so to take it to the next step. We're How does that differ from the, the term digital twin? Oh, that's a great question. So, That's right. It's a great question right over <laughs> great there. Right? <laughs> Somebody give them credit for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So uh, uh, BIM models actually are part of digital twin, right? So you, you first you build a model. And the idea with digital twin is to copy that model. So in other words, if especially with like a green field, you're building something yeah. from scratch, you can design it so that it could be used in the future. If you put that extra bit of work in up front to say, all right, I don't want to just build it here. What if I build it in Thailand or in uh, Ireland or something like that? What would it need? 
And then when you're done that project, you take all that information and that's what you start with at the next spot. That's digital twin, but that's the difference. You take a model and you're copying it. John, how does that help from a maintenance perspective? So I, there, there are so many other questions that have to be asked. First off, you're, you're, you're reestablishing sort of this expectation. Like, yeah, I got, I got this firm. I've got Jacobs, and they're designing this particular greenfield location, and they're creating all of this wonderful, wonderful information. Great, fantastic. They're putting it into a computer, and they're making it all wonderful. Because I've never really received it in the past, I don't, I, I don't know what to do. So there's an education component. Yeah. But why is it important for that to be a part of maintenance too going forward? Well, I mean, so I'll say, you know, my early days were, were taking what we would call like the engineering firms and the architectural firms and uh, the construction companies and the red lines. And, and my job early days was, you know, going through a flat stack room, taking all, those, all that data, scanning it, getting into a PDF, and then taking it go back and redigitize it into the CAD world so we could have that that record, right? And I, you know, that was on the federal government side, and so they had the money to spend on that. But a lot of municipalities, um, state agencies, things like that, they don't have the money to do that. And so, rather than me have to, you know, call up the engineering firm see if they have it, which depending on how long it's been, they throw a lot of that stuff out out after seven years. Um, or you gotta, you know, you gotta find some kind of document that might be with the client or might be with somebody else. And so having, I think, this industry standard, and I think this is the key for anything we do, is having that. some kind of a standard of, hey, when we do an engineering project, we do a BIM model. When we turn it over, part of that deliverable is this BIM model, and then we have a set of tools, whether it's Meridian, whether it's any other, you know, I don't know any of the other tools out there because Meridian's new for me, um, but having some kind of a standard tool that can receive that BIM data, that can set us up for that future success of being able to maintain those assets is going to be huge and a game changer. And I think it's going to be huge from a perspective of a lot of our municipalities now that are coming up on the aging infrastructure. Like the cost of maintaining a facility is becoming a big question on a lot of people's minds going forward. So, There's a lot of inefficiencies, man, that I see just from this particular conversation. And I would, I would suspect that it's a situation where using the technology, using the innovation that exists or within Jacobs allows that that efficiency gain, right? Because you still have to, you still have to, to your point, I've got to, I've got to do that hard work. I've got to do that, what is important, what's not important. And to John's point, you don't want it to throw away. You need to have a, a way of being able to um, evaluate. So take us into the mind of the client where, you know, I've got this, what do I do? I see the value. What do I do? So it's it goes, I guess, back to the old adage of garbage in, garbage out, right? If you don't put a good product ahead to start, you're going to always fall flat on your face in the end. So it's making sure that you develop those standards, that you understand what the high value to you, your client, the people you're working with, so that you're able to bring that back to the forefront and really help uh, create a more robust environment for you as well as the clients that you're working with. Jim, that's all great. That's all wonderful. Got it. And and it and there's a lot of heavy, detailed lifting with this stuff, right? I just I, I get it. I get it. But the reality is, is that once you hand it over to the client, doesn't that information garbage in, garbage out? Does it have sort of that static environment or sort of quality to it, where it's like? 
today we've just changed out a pup and we just don't even know it. It's not on those documents. And the PNIDs, well, I don't know where they're at. You hit the nail on the head, right? So that's the, the big thing is, first of all, getting quality stuff in, but you gotta change it. It's always changing. You gotta maintain that change. And you need people with skill sets. If you're in the 3D environment now, you need people that have Revit experience, Navisworks, the ability to tie those pieces of information together and even put in more information so that you can do maintenance, asset, the management, those things, if you put all that together and you continue that change, then not only will you save time and money on your maintenance, but you're also going to save time and money on your next project because you can hand that model over to the next AE firm or you do it in-house. But it's all about t saving time, schedule, and cost. Is that a part of the, the, the actual, if I engage with Jacobs, that whole change management it's like, okay, I, I get it. Look at all this great stuff. It, it, somebody's backing it up in a truck, right? <laughs> it's all good, but is that also a part of the deliverable on your part where you have to do that education and change management? Yeah, in fact, that's actually where our partnership with Meridian started is because being the largest provider in the life sciences industry and many others, and many of our clients were already using Meridian and we were actually managing it for them. We were the people that were working in 2D, making their drawing changes. We were the document managers that took the standards, communicated them to that AE firm and said, this is what we expect you to deliver at the end. Well, here we are now in the 3D environment and we're doing with our customers even more. And now we have those skills that a lot of clients don't have the license for Navis work and Revit. They don't have skills. I mean, that's a whole nother level of families yeah. and data. To me, it just sounds like a lot of money. John, <laughs> tell, tell, me, tell me why this is important to the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, so I was just about to touch on that. I think the, the point about, you know, the difference between a CAD um, a CAD drawing and a Revit drawing is all the data that comes with it. And I, like I said, I come from the GIS side of things, um, and that you know I call that you know BIM for the whole world before BIM became a thing, where you know you have your your drawings, your 2D representation of that asset. And when I first got into GIS, you know, it was I came from an architectural background, and it was CAD, and I learned that like GIS is just a CAD drawing with the database attached to it. And so when you can take, I mean, we used to get those CAD drawings. Um, to go put in stuff and it was great but it's like okay but now even with the electronic file i have to go in there i got to find the pump in this room i got to find the switch in this room i got to find this and i got to put that into a spreadsheet or i got to put that into some kind of documentation and nobody's got the time to do that and so with i think the upbringing of revit um, Esri has some platforms. I think uh, Bentley has some platforms as well with um, I forget their their tool um, but having that database attached to that cab environment or to that graphics side of it makes it an easy just push and pull um, if we you know if we follow the proper standards around it, it it's it's just about saving time it, it, it's time safety because yeah. the, re the reality is is that whatever's out there in the field is reflected in the documentation which yeah. is real important but it gets back down to how are we keeping up with it and all of that stuff that that to me is that to me is important matt how do we, is, is, is it difficult? Once I say yes, Jacob Solution, great team, 
I trust you, you're my Sherpas, all of that great stuff. Is it difficult in a very dynamic industrial environment to keep current, to keep it up to date? Because if it, if there's any friction, if, you're, if there's, there's any friction from me saying, oh, I got to go over here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eventually pencil whip the damn thing. <laughs> sure. So is it easy? Uh, well, there's an inherent easiness to it, but it's also hard, right? I guess I didn't really answer the question, but I, the best way I can really fine. <laughs> I can really say is it's e- it's easy enough to stay up with current practices, but it's about making sure that you put them into reality, right? So it's about not only following your own standards, but able to adapt to how the environment is ever shifting. Um, a lot, of, a lot of great ways to do that as far as uh, make sure you lean on your team, make sure you lean on the staff, and make sure that you're able to keep uh, pushing that envelope forward and, uh, in that ever-changing field. Yeah, I, I, I just think that it's, it's because once you invest that time, energy, and effort, right, Jim? Yeah. And it's all there, and it looks great, and it's pristine, and it's all buttoned up. It, it, it's incumbent upon the, the client to make sure that, that in place are all the proper change management, or it, it's just... Well, I'm going to call Matt again, and Matt's going to have to come and scrub it and do it again, and, and it just becomes this source of frustration. And you're really trying to create a, a, a solution that adds, solves a problem, creates a safe work environment, improves maintenance in a way that, or has I have visibility. So is that is that part of the drivers? It is, and I mean you mentioned safety, right? Safety so is huge. one of the biggest things that. Um, you have to worry about when you're doing some of these projects is shutdowns, right? And when you have all these people that are going in to do a shutdown, if they don't have the right information, not only are they going to possibly be in an unsafe environment, but just as importantly, they have a very short window. And if they don't get the project done in that Friday night till, you know, Sunday night, then they have to shut all down and they might be six months later and that's because they didn't know what they it's were going automatic. into. You're right? Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. How, how many times have you had that conversation? Oh, hey, we got to get this thing up and running. we got Let's three go. hours. All right. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and they just ramble on by. Okay. I'm going to, uh, John, put your future hat on. Sure. Where do you see it going? Where do you see this big next? Like, this is all great. This is all wonderful. And, and but I see, like, AI. Uh, how that that might have what what, what yeah, do you see I, I think um you know the digital twin is a good piece of it but it, it also begs the question you can't have a good digital twin unless you got good data going in yeah. right and so the first crux of any problem for how do we you know what's in the future and what's the next technology bring like it doesn't matter what the next technology is or what you know what the future brings if we don't have the baseline foundational data to support whatever that next tool is we're in it. We're in a heap of trouble. We're back to square one, and you know, a lot of times we want to go. Oh, we got this new software. This new software came out. It's got all these cool features, and the marketing department did a great job of selling it to us. And it's like, and then when you finally get it, you're like, oh yeah, we still got to do all the legwork that goes into building and setting this up. And so I really do think it's digital twin. I think AI has a place, but I think the the tricky part about AI is interpreting AI and making sure the AI is doing yeah. what you want it to do, not what it thinks you want it to do, because yeah. it's smarter than we are. And uh, and so. I mean, so there's a whole, you know, probably an hour-long conversation just around the troubles around AI, but the digital twin side of it is building this model that you can take in a real-world environment, run all the physics and stuff on it in this side piece and say, well, what if we did this size of a pipe instead of this? Or what if we did this instead of this and see that? 
if we get to that point, that's going to save us a lot of stuff on capital improvements projects. It's going to help us do a lot of predictive maintenance as far as when we should do things and change things out. But we can't do that until that foundational layer of data is in there. Yeah, I, I like the I like the simulation component. Yeah, to be able to just say, you know. For me personally, if I could just what if the world, right? What if I do tweak, do this, and said, and then you, then you're able to really sort of dial it in, and if, if they're accurate, right? I mean, again, back to the data conversation, you know. You put, you got to put the work in up front. Yeah. Keep talking about that, but then you can create scalability. Yeah. You can create that optioneering now, and that's where AI probably has its place. It's very in every industry. It's in, it's in its infancy, right? But they really depend on many, many choices, and that's where their intelligence comes from. So that's why, like with Jacobs, having done so many designs, that's where we're gonna we're gonna mine into that data field. Yeah, but see, that, 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 you got that challenge of saying, okay, I got to put the team together in Jacobs, and then I got to go s grab Matt, and and we're gonna cipher through all of this, all this stuff and everything. That's a that's some heavy lifting, man. It is. Yeah. Where, well, do you, where do you see it going? So, so it's so especially in what I do, right? Helping clients move from one EDMS to another. One of the biggest lifts that we have is data migration, right? Moving it from that legacy terminal yeah. to the new storage device. And this is where something like AI would be beneficial. It's able to comb through those PNIDs, find the metadata that we're looking for, find the asset linkages that we're looking for, and help. Uh, speed up that process. I'm not saying it's going to be a perfect process, especially to Jim's points in its infancy, but it should be able to speed up what is always the heaviest lift in moving all this documentation used for you know government compliance, used for maintenance, and making sure that it is accessible and easy to search for uh, throughout your industry. I've got two things to take away from this. One, have the conversation up front, please. Have the conversation up front. It costs less, <laughs> significantly less, and then all all of the the uh, that was a mistake. How about that? I've only done this a zillion times. <laughs> the um, and also data, how critical it is with data. You know, that to me is just amazing. I I, I just get that right, then it just opens up a bunch of doors. So, all right. How did they get a hold of you, John? Yeah, uh, get a hold of me at john.londo at digits.com. Send me an email. Happy up conversation. All right, man, Jim. All right, Jim. Did they say Jimbo? Uh, yeah, I've been calling him a number of things. <laughs> yes. All right, Jimbo. Jimbo, Jim A. Yes. So, uh, james.kazier at jacobs.com. Best is my cell phone, though. 267-934-7809. Finally, the young pup, right? Are you the youngest one of the bunch? Yeah. yeah, maybe. All right, maybe. Look ahead. All right. <laughs> but, Hot dog. <laughs> but uh, Matt.McAllister, M-A-T-T dot M-C-A-L-I-S-T-R at Jacobs.com. Not to be confused with Home Alone McAllister, of course. There it is. Wow. <laughs> How about that? All right, you guys were absolutely wonderful. Thank you for saying yes and being on the podcast. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Brother. All right, listeners. Experience. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's, it's going to be memory. It's going <laughs> to be for, for the rest. It's just like forever. I was on this. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap it up on the other side. Stay tuned. We will be right back. You're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. All right, how about that for a great conversation again? At 
Accruent Insights, a wonderful, and I mean a wonderful event that you need to put on your calendar for next year. Also, if you don't see the importance of document management uh, after that conversation, I can't help you because document management is so important. Dynamic document management, getting the latest and greatest information about the assets that are you, that you're running, right? It makes sense. It is a must. Reach out to all three of those gents at Jacobs. Uh, they know what they're doing. All right. All right, Industrial Talk. You need to amplify your voice. Yes. You need to state your, your value proposition. Yes, that's what Industrial Talk is all about. It's about you, industrial professionals, you, companies. Be a part of this ecosystem that is expanding. It's all out there. Go out to Industrial Talk. Click on uh, Collaborate, and and let's have a conversation on how we can work together. All right, be bold, be brave, dare greatly, hang out with Jacobs, change the world. We're going to have another great conversation shortly.